Join us in worshiping God and all of His holiness. Sing it together. everybody. Maybe you've been with us maybe one or two Sundays. We'd love to know who you are. And so if you'd fill out one of these blue uh, connection cards, that would be wonderful. You could put that in the offering plate later, or you can just take that to the connection center at the end of the service, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we come before you, and um, isn't it amazing that the writers uh, didn't just settle for holy? They had to exclaim, you are holy, holy holy, above and beyond anything or anyone else that we could ever imagine. Lord, we thank you for your perfection. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your righteousness. And we thank you that you will impart that to those who can uh, repent and believe and uh, give them eternal life. We just thank you and give you so much praise, so much thanksgiving. 
And uh, Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth today. Help us to open your word, to follow it, to learn from it, and then to apply it to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, greetings. Now, you Baptist, don't come unglued and pass out because we're doing something different. Brother David and I plan and pray, and this week, due to the subject of what I'm preaching on, we wanted to show more of an Old Testament model, I guess, of uh, hearing the Word. We did sing a song before, but hearing the Word and responding to the Word and then lifting our voices to the Lord, and then uh, in this particular service, since the message is about body life, we have on our entrance of the commons... On the board, life together under the word. So the subject today will be love and life together under the word. And so I want to preach regarding the church body, body life. And at the conclusion of, well, it's really not the conclusion of the service, but as part of it, Dr. Patterson is going to come up and he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, completing the renovation and a little bit about the building uh, budget that we have and just give you an update that's part of our worship to the Lord giving and we'd like to update you on that won't take long but that's part of it and then next week uh, I'm going to talk about uh, an aspect of the Reformation you know uh, that's my focus always around October 31st the other thing you can focus on if you want to but I focus on the Reformation right you would not be sitting in your seat today had it not been for the Lord God awakening people to the truth of the Bible, right? Praise God for the Protestant Reformation. So that I'm going to deal with that. Actually, the priesthood of the believer next Sunday. And then throughout November, we won't be in Ephesians. I know it breaks your heart. But I want to save Ephesians, uh, the spiritual armor, for the first of the year. I think it would be really good for us to take our time and go through Ephesians 6 and learn about the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. We'll do that uh, Christmas. December will be given to the Advent. I will preach four sermons to do with the Advent of Christ. So looking forward to that. Now, with all that set to the side, I appreciate this church body. And I want you to know that. It is life together under the word. It is incredibly important. <clears throat> it has been uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and I appreciate the appreciation. Amen. <laughs> We had a great, wonderful meal on Tuesday given to us that was outstanding, and we just appreciate it. Uh, you get letters and encouragement. Here is one that was sent to me. You know who you are, but I'm not going to tell everybody. This was what the statement was to me. I can't imagine the weight of responsibility and privilege you feel teaching an entire body. I get overwhelmed teaching a small room of people. Thank you for seeking God with all your heart and doing everything you can through the equipping and strength of the Spirit to rightly handle truth. Have a good day. Now, I have to tell you, there are certain times of the week when your weary soul has to be picked off the dirt of the ground. And that one picked me up. It reminded me of Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth, B-U-I, and sell it not. Amen? So important. So I do sense that responsibility. Uh, I realize this is not a game we tread as pastors every time we stand in the issues of life and death. And so 
Praise God for that. Now, in due, thinking of our body life, let's make our way to Romans chapter 12. Brother Jeffrey has been laboring in Romans 12 with our youth. So I'm going to ask the youth periodically to stand up and give testimony about what I've just preached. Because y'all should know where it is and what the teaching is, right? I know very little about mechanic work. Uh, I can change oil and I can cap off the antifreeze, but I am not a mechanic. One thing I do know is that motor oil is important, right? Without it, your engine will seize up and your car will stop running. It's a fact. They tell us, if you've ever watched a NASCAR race, that uh, there are certain qualities of motor oil that's better than others. And it will, it will maintain maximum horsepower better than the conventional stuff. I'm not sure about all that. But we know it protects the engine from corrosion. It prevents sludge. It enhances performance. Finally, it prolongs the life of the engine by keeping the cylinders and the valves and the bearings working smoothly. When the car is running and working properly, you realize that motor oil is indispensable. Now, what does that have with the sermon, to do with the sermon? I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> the local body, that's us. Without love is like a car without oil. Okay? Notice verse 9. It's all connected to the transformed mind in verse 2. And qualities of that transformed mind... The renewing of the mind is all part of that. However, when you see it in the text, let love be genuine, it is really the love be unhypocritical. Okay? The love, why? Because love is an abstract noun and it is driving the next admonitions. So we're going to be building on how does love look when it's unhypocritical? How does it look when it is sincere? The text says, or is reminding us, that without love, you will soon find out that the parts of the church, just like in an automobile, will break down. We will discover that there's no protection from corrosion. Soon body life will seize up. Life together under the word must have love. Now, I could probably read and I could probably comment for over an hour on all the passages that deal with the indispensability of love among the brethren. But let's read our text. I will quote, give you a few biblical texts that drive this point home. But listen to the word of the Lord. Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Paul after giving many admonitions in Colossians 3, it says, Above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Peter says, Above everything else, keep fervent love, keep 
fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It was Christ himself that said love would be the measure of our discipleship. He didn't say the measure of our love will be large, KJV Bibles. Right? He didn't say it would be every theological distinctive held exactly the same in this body that's going to be the mark of our discipleship. Does it? doesn't say that. What it does say is that the badge of our discipleship will be love for one another. Now, the love that God commands in his word has certain emotions. Agreed? The love that God commands in the word of God has certain emotions. It has certain affections to it. The Bible not only prescribes our duties and our actions in regard to love, but it also commands that we have affections and emotions that go along with it. I think Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, has every right to tell us how we should feel about one another. Amen? If you want to maximize body life in this church, and you want to be protected from corrosion and prevent the sludge of maybe legalism or liberalism or self-righteousness, love must be known and it must be practiced. This passage outlines the duties and affections of love and life together. And here it begins, love without hypocrisy. Again, if you're totally transformed by the renewing of your mind in response to the mercy of God, then this is what's in you as a believer. It's not something that you put into yourself. It's something that God has put into you. The love that we possess toward God and, and our brothers and sisters in the Lord, here's the best way to say it. It is a supernatural kind of love. God has done this. We're not talking about maintaining natural, ordinary affection for one another. But rather, we're talking about a peculiar, supernatural kind of love that God pours into our hearts. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit of God who has been given to us. This love has been poured into our hearts. This kind of love begins with God. This kind of love will not grow in our hearts apart from regeneration. It has to be planted there. Again, Romans 5.8, listen to it. The Bible says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is something that God works in us. The love we have for others was first demonstrated by God, Romans 5.8. The love we have for others is explained in John 4. It reminds us that God's, God is love and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God and he that loves not does not love God does not know God does not love one another does not know God we love him because he first loved us this love grips us it shapes us it's a natural overflow that we have for others because he first loved us the supernatural saving love of God in other words creates this love in us for him and for his body. Again, Romans 5, 5 would remind us it's been poured out into our hearts 
And the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's going to, it gives you that in the Word of God. So it's not something we work up on our own. God must plant it there. And when it is planted there, it will be proved and demonstrated in us as fruit. We do not love the brethren. If we do not love the brethren, John says, the love of the Father is not in us. Paul says it's the love of God that constrains us. Thomas Watson said, Jesus, speaking of Christ, said he bled love out of every vein. Stop and think about that for a moment. John says here is love. He laid down his life for us. We should lay down our lives for our brothers. He adds to it, if we see our brother in need and close our hearts off to him, how can we say that the love of God dwells in us? He says, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So this kind of love comes from God, and it should be without hypocrisy. This means it needs to be sincere. The actual translation of the word, ano, ana, hypocritas. Hmm, there it is, hypocritas. Hypocrite. So it is against, it is unhypocritical. That is the actual word used here. Is it possible to fake your love? Well, yes. Some actions are only motivated by someone else's or someone's praise. But this kind of love that we're talking about here is not concerned with self, but with other people. Life together under the word. Love and life together under the word. Masking our real feelings and intentions with superficial niceties is an act. It's a charade. And you will not be able to sustain it. True love, real love, overflows from the heart. That's been transformed by the love and grace of God. In other words, we choose to love others as God chose to love you in Christ. So... Here are four manifestations of sincere love. Y'all ready for them? This is the earliest you've ever heard me start preaching, right? And some of you are thinking, this guy's going to go on and on and on forever and ever. No, the intro was pretty long, but let's hit these for a moment. This is important for our body life, okay? It's important for us to think of. Okay, I put them in as couplets because that's the way they're given. In chapter 12, verse 9, these are qualities of a transformed mind. First, think about that. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that take place? By the mercies of God, by grace, by being saved. It's in you because God has put it in you. So we're going to use the word sincere. So if it's unfeigned, if you had a KJV or a New King James, it probably said, let love be unfeigned, which means unhypo unhypocritical. In other words, let love be sincere. So first... Sincere love hates evil and attaches to what is good. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. You grammarians need to understand this is in participial mode and it's durative. In other words, it ought to be abhorring continually evil, right? Holding fast to that which was good. Imperative. It's in a, it's in a mode of a participle, but it's ongoing. Loving one another with brotherly affection rejoicing in hope. In other words, there are participles. There's ten of them. I'm only going to give you a few of them, just four. But there's ten of these. 
So sincere love is in the mode of hating evil and in the mode of attaching itself to good. Folks, do you realize in our world, the world wants you to be neutral. And they think that if you're really loving the world, you're neutral. That's not true. That's not Bible. True Christian love is never morally neutral. You can't just sit back and say, let everybody who's wrong be right for them. That's not Bible. We have the idea that to be a loving person, you can't tell the truth. Or you can't say anything negative to anybody. Love is not some kind of sentimental, sloppy agape. It's just not. Love is not that. Real love will not be passive. It will not be indifferent toward evil. Folks, this word is so incredibly strong. It actually means you are to violently hate evil. That's how strong this is. He will, the believer won't be indifferent. He will hate it. He will be repulsed by evil. He will despise what could injure and harm others and dishonor God. True Christian love must be governed by thus saith the Lord. It must be governed by the word. This kind of love hates evil. But the flip side is it's glued. It's attached to that which is good. It will cling to. It will cement. It will glue. It will attach. It will join, join firmly to those good things that are defined by the Holy Scripture. The word cling has marital overtones. Isn't that interesting? Have we been talking about marriage around here and family? Well, this particular word cling has it. As a faithful man or woman will cling only to their mate in marriage. We are to cling only to that which is good so that it will glorify God. That which God calls evil, we must passionately hate it. We will feel strongly about what is wrong. And we, feel we should feel strongly about what is good. Folks. This is the exact reason why abortion should affect us the way that it does. It is never to, to throw anyone under the bus and to be unforgiving. And we should always say, if, that's, if you've done this in your life, God forgives. If you seek him, if you seek his forgiveness and repent, God forgives. Even those who have aborted children, God forgives. However, we ought to be repulsed by abortion. It ought to touch us in the deepest part of our emotions. Why? Because we hate evil. God has given life, right? The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. He kills life. Jesus gives life. Furthermore, that baby is made in the image of God. So, I just say that to give you an example. of That's why believers feel the way we do. There's a, there's a right way to handle that. There's a wrong way to handle that. We're not after blowing up anybody's clinics or anything like that to harm people. But we need to be vocal to say that we violently hate abortion. We violently hate all sin. And that's what I would bring up here. And incidentally, it all begins by being repulsed by the evil that we find in ourselves. It begins with inward introspection to figure out that we're sinners. And we certainly know that we need to repent of our sin. The evil in me harms other people. The evil in you harms other people. 
May we hate the evil within us. That is a reproach to his name. Why? Because it not only hurts us, it also hurts those around us. So, how can I say this? When it comes to love, don't be a sentimental pansy. Okay? You've got to understand something. Your love should be determined, not mean, right? Not mean-spirited, but it should be determined, and it should also be discerning. That's in the Bible. So, I know this kind of love is dangerous. I traffic in this every day. It is difficult as a pastor to say, no, that doesn't line up with the Bible. Well, you hurt my feelings. Or, I think it should be this way. We traffic in that. But here's the deal. There's a judgment bar. And we're all going to stand there. And you're going to give an account for every deed done in the flesh, good or bad. So I think it would behoove us to do what Paul is asking. And to pray that God will give us a violent hatred toward that which is evil. And for us to, as a church, cling to that which is good. When you go to the polls, you cling to that which is good. We don't have it perfectly down because we got, oh, across the board. When you look at things, we're thinking, oh my goodness, this is terrible. And it is. Our country's in trouble. Yes. You know the best thing? Jesus, come on back. Right? Jesus, come on back. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty has a plan. And it may seem like it's all going south, but I'm telling you, it's linear and it's with a purpose. And God has a plan, even in the midst of, just read the book of Daniel, read Revelation, read the Bible, folks. Don't throw up your arms, still make sure, don't throw up your hands and give up. Make sure you're living in such a way that you hate that which is evil. Stand for what is right, cling to what is right. Okay, number two, sincere love focuses on one another relationships in the church. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So, this is interesting, okay? Scholars will note that this, that storge, love, used for family, is not used by itself anywhere in the New Testament. But here it is brought together with another word for love called philos. Philadelphia beat the Cardinals and the Braves. I'm not too fond of brotherly affection about <laughs> Philadelphia right now, but that's the word, right? Philos, love of the brother. So check this out. Scholars have noted that when you put storge, the, the literal word is philostorgos, right? There it is. So when you put philos, brotherly affection, together with storge, family love, the writer is, Paul is trying to get you to understand through the Holy Spirit that in the body life of Christ, there's something that is actually even stronger than just family love. This love is brought into our hearts by Christ because we've been redeemed by Jesus. So both of those words are brought together. And he says it like this. Be lovingly devoted in brotherly love. That's what this church should have. That's what the body of Christ should have. Sincere love focuses and then on one another relationships. We're real people, real emotions, real affections, and all of it should be genuine. Love is not devoid of affections. Right? Sometimes we think as long as we do good to people, we're loving them. Okay? Paul says, if I give up all my possessions for the poor, is that doing something? Yes. But have not love, it profits me nothing. So... We are to have this family-oriented love and affection for one another. 
I remember standing in my church at Bowman Baptist when I was a kid and holding hands with church members and we would sing. We are one in the bond of love. Remember that? We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. That's true. Okay? We have joined our spirits. Or actually, I would say God has joined his spirit with yours. I'd change those words a little bit if I would have written that. Same principle, right? But let's suppose, and let's think about this. Can we just do actions and let that be love without actually being moved by affections of really loving someone? You, we can be guilty of doing things without actually loving Let's give an example. Guys, let's suppose you take your spouse out to a fancy eating place. That would be, in my opinion, a step above Subway. Right? <laughs> Amen? And let's say you take her to that place that's a step above Subway, and you give her roses, and you give her a beautiful necklace. And upon receiving it, she just melts. And she says, honey, I thank you so much. This is so wonderful. What a wonderful day. Now, you guys, would you respond by saying, well, I gave you my vows at the wedding day, and I have a duty to perform. And because love is not a feeling, I'm performing my duty to love you. Actually, I must be honest, I don't really feel anything for you, but I'm performing my duty. What would happen? You'd probably have the flowers on your head, and you would have the necklace down your throat. Right? The Bible doesn't explain love that way. It talks about wholehearted devotion to one another. Now, folks, listen. This is not possible apart from the Spirit of God. This is not possible if you're unregenerate. It never even enters into your mind to love one another affectionately if you're not saved by grace through faith. This kind of love is an impossibility if you haven't first been given the love of Jesus from Him and grace that comes from Him. So, the Bible doesn't explain love that is affectionless. It talks about wholehearted devotion to one another. Now check out this next phrase, outdoing each other in honor. With an attitude of genuine humility, we should honor or esteem others ahead of ourselves, our wants and our desires. Such a word is timely, isn't it? It's timely for our churches and our marriages. Are we really quick to esteem others in the body of Christ? No matter how you slice it or dice it, competition is not good in the, a good thing in the church. Unless it's in the realm of, try, of trying to outdo one another in honoring each other. Now, when's the last time you heard of this? Could you imagine what it would look like in our families and in this church if we kept this ethical standard? I'm going to outdo you in honoring you. No, you are not. I'm going to outdo you in honoring you. Folks, but that's what he's asking us to do. It's a wonderful ethical standard to have. Even when we have potluck meals at the church, this is a great standard. Oh, you can have that meatball, sir, and I will wait, my t right? No, nah, I don't know if we're like that with that. We, we know what Aunt Agnes made, and she put it on that bar, and we go straight to that banana pudding, right? And we're going to get that banana pudding, five serving. No, I'm, I'm stretching that a little bit. But yes, it is deferring, right? It is having this attitude of honoring, outdoing. One another in honor. That's what we're encouraged to do. Number three, sincere love serves with zeal and rejoices with hope. 
Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Three commands here feed and support one another. In, in other words, not lagging in diligence speaks of the sin of laziness. We need to be careful regarding the seduction of laziness and sloth, laziness and sloth in our day. Don't we? And so does the church. We need to be careful about that. But we must not be seduced into inactivity in doing good. In zeal, don't be lazy. Are y'all listening? The flip side of laziness is fervency. Paul challenges us to be zealous, to burn like a fervent, a vibrant flame of the Spirit. We are to burn and be red hot in our spirit as the power of the Holy Spirit works in us. And the scripture says, listen church body, we're in the fall. We're, 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 God is working in the life of this church. And we always anticipate the fall and we anticipate Christmas. We anticipate Thanksgiving. But it's not this, just this time of year that you should say, wow, it's time to serve the Lord. This is an ongoing thing where we serve the Lord. As a slave to our Savior, we are to bring all of life under the Lordship of Christ. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. I don't think there's any part of that left out, right? It is, a, it is a complete giving away of ourselves to the Lordship. In other words, we desire to do His will. We desire to serve His purpose. We desire to seek His plan and purpose for our lives. And we do so, folks, with a consuming passion. Not just when you come to church on Sunday. But if you're living under the Lordship of Christ and you are saved, that's every day. That's every hour of every day. We have the idols of our hearts and we smash them and we turn to serve the true and living God. We ought to say to him, because of your great mercy, 12.1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I want to be a living sacrifice to you. That means we have sincere love, un unhypocritical, with zeal that rejoices with hope. We can rejoice continually in hope regardless of the circumstances around us. We can be patient. See the text? We can bear up under the load of tri tribulation and pressures in life. And we do all of this and it's all possible as we wrap those things in prayer pouring out our hearts to God. Listen, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant. In prayer, an ongoing thing as we pray to the Lord. As the old song says, that new song sang years ago, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Right? Patient in tribulation, knowing that our God is in control. When trials and difficulties hit, and they hit us hard, sincere love for God is in the living hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, listen, look, look, look at this, 12. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. So, sincere love for God walks in a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we will respond in a distinctly different way than the lost people in this world. That's not the way the church responds. It responds in hope to the Lord. And finally, sincere love will enter fellowship with the needs of the saints. Contribute. Y'all see that? Contribute 
to the needs of the saints. You know, that's each other, right? That's the body. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Sincere love will enter fellowship with the needs of the saints. There are two ways this is accomplished in the church. By giving to those who have need among us and by showing hospitality. Those who are hurting, how can we say this? Financially, materially, uh, personally, spiritually, who are part of our fellowship and have needs that need to be met. Folks, here's the deal. We ought to meet them. I am convinced that if we see a brother or sister in need and we've got the means to meet that need and we do not do it, it's a sin. Are y'all listening? We need to take this sin seriously. And I get it. I understand what goes on sometimes in people's minds. They think, well, they're just a freeloader. They're just trying to get a handout. I, I get it. I understand all the policies and procedures that need to be coupled with wisdom in these areas. But folks, we dare not neglect this summons. This is from the Lord. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So... We should have gracious and open hearts, naturally given to hospitality. And when people in our church have needs and they're members of this body, we ought to reach out and meet those needs. No amens? We should show hospitality to those. So God has placed you in this body so that you have tangible outlets to express this unfeigned and unhypocritical love. Look, folks. Think about what I've said. Think about what the word says. If you're a member of this church, God has put you here so that you've got a tangible outlet to live out what this text says. You've got this outlet. It's going to be a shame for us to come to the end of our lives on earth and have to stand before the Lord and say, you gave me this tangible outlet and I didn't take advantage of it and you gave me this great group of people to do so. And I never capitalized on unfeigned, unhypocritical love. Now hear, hear this. Jesus Christ demonstrated his love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did it in the cross of Christ. He did it through his death. He did it through his sacrifice. And I'm telling you folks, there's no question about it. It was his affection toward you that led him to do it. It was primarily his obedience to his father, right? To do his father's will. But there's no question that it was his affection for his bride, his people, that led him to take your place on Calvary. That ought to be our motive. If you're lost today and you don't know Christ, please hear those words. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that the righteousness of God might be in us. There is no way possible for us to go to heaven apart from the righteousness of God. We can't go on our own righteousness. By the works of the law will no man ever be justified before God. Romans 3. Aren't you thankful that Jesus becomes our righteousness when we believe in what he did for us? Amen? He does. We repent and we believe the truth of the gospel. Whosoever 
whoever calls upon the name, and that's speaking of his righteousness, his character, what he accomplished, his work on Calvary, his person, his performance, his position. Whoever believes in him will not perish. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Wages of sin is death. Gifts of God is eternal life. If you don't know the Lord today, trust Christ. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And for believers, my encouragement for you this day is to pray about this. Whether you come to the altar or whether you sit in your seat, Lord, help my love be sincere. A love that hates evil and attaches to what is good. Now think about this. This is application. Are y'all listening? Father, help my love that you created in me and planted in me. Hate that which is evil and help me attach to that which is good. All right, focus on me. I know we've got movement, but listen. Don't miss the application. This is important. I didn't just give these randomly as objective truths for you just to say, well, that's good for someone else. This is for you. It's for me. Father, help my love, sincere love without no, no, no charade, nothing hidden, uh, no guise. You know, it's not under, we're not trying to hide this. We're, we want our love to be unhypocritical. Let love be sincere. One that hates evil. It's okay to say things are wrong. It's okay to believe the Bible in these areas. You understand, blessed is the man who walks not. The Christian life starts with the negative in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Conversely, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Depending on which way you go there, two paths. If you're meditating in the word, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. It leaves shall not wither. And whatever he does, it shall prosper. However, if you go the way of the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the seat of the scornful, you will not stand in the judgment. You will not be in the congregation of the righteous. Folks, so understand, sincere love hates evil, attaches to what is good. Sincere love will focus on one another relationships in the body of Christ. Let's do that. Sincere love will serve with zeal and rejoice with hope. And sincere love will enter fellowship with the needs of the saints. Pray that God will help you do that as a part of this body. And if you want to be a part of this body, maybe God is bringing you to do that, understand that that's what the Bible asks of you if you're a member of this body. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I just thank you for this church family, the body life. Lord, life together under the word. Lord, would you help us as a church body no pastor is perfect, no church is perfect, but we have a perfect Savior. We have been called to be your bride and to function in a certain way. God, help us in these areas. Lord, I need sincere love that hates evil, clings to what is good. In our day with everything under the sun in neon lights... And everybody thinking we should be neutral. That's not true. And that's not what your word teaches us. God help us in, serve, in loving each other. Not because of something we can get out of it. But how you loved us unconditionally. God help us to have that kind of brotherly love. Lord, 
May we serve you. Serve you and rejoice in it. Help us to be able to withstand even in the midst of tribulation and to stand in the hope of our calling and who you are. And Lord, let us meet needs in the body of Christ. Help us to contribute to the needs of those who may have it. God, help us to apply this to life. Lord, also, if there's someone under the sound of my voice that's lost, Lord, let those principles resonate that we love you because you first loved us. Let it resonate in our hearts that, Lord, it was you that came after your people. It was you that condescended from heaven in order to pay the penalty for our sin that we could never pay on our own. Lord, you were raised for our justification. Lord, only you can save. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can ever come to the Father except through you. Lord, may someone today put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, as we have this time of invitation, may you work in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We've heard the word today. Let's stand and respond. And uh, let this be your prayer. Let it be said of me, what, what we just heard today. Let it be said of us as a church. Let's sing together. Let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion, that with gladness we bore every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the be said of us. Look at these words. Let it be said of us. We were marked by forgiveness. We were known by our love and delighted in meekness. We were ruled by His peace. Eating you Let the cross be our glory.
right, you may be seated. This is Don and Debbie McFarland. Come on up here. They're actually uh, retired missionaries, right? Uh, they told me in my office they would rather be on the field, right? But circumstances, you know, not everybody wants Christians in their country, right? And so they found that out the hard way. And, but they are willing and wanting to continue in God's purpose and plan for their lives. And they want that to be here at FBCO. So just want to introduce you to Don and Debbie McFarland. They're the newest members of First Baptist Church Ozark. Amen. All right. They'll, they'll be coming to us by statement of faith. And I asked them when I listened to a little bit of their testimony to take a minute or so and just share. And I don't know which one's going to grab the microphone, but here we go. All right. Sometimes they have to jerk this away from me. Uh-oh. Uh no, I'm kidding. The Lord has been so faithful to us through over 40 years of ministry. And coming here is like some of the icing on the cake. It's like the roses on top of the icing. We've looked for a long time for the right church. We visited over 30 churches trying to find the right one. And we live right across the valley behind Walgreens. So we're very, very thankful to be here with you. She's right. We uh, went through quite a journey seeking a place to, uh, to serve, not to just to go to church, not church shopping, to find a place we could serve and, and uh, fit in and belong. And we feel like First Baptist Church is that kind of a place. Coming here after coming off the, off the field overseas, a couple of well-worn, well-used missionaries, <laughs> uh, was like uh, coming home to a place that we didn't even know we had to come to until we got here. And, it's been such a blessing. It's been a time of uh, encouragement and affirmation and really spiritual healing and solace. And we're thankful to so many of you for that. Just met so many wonderful people here already, you know, and just seeing in action what you talked about just a while ago, that living a life together in love Amen. and loving one another. And it's, it's at work here. And we're thankful to each one of you, so many precious, sweet people we've already come to know. Looking forward to some more of that along the way, and uh, thank, thank you for the tremendous leadership, Brother David and Preacher here. Brother David, I think he could, he'd lead music if we had both hands tied behind his back. <laughs> and Preacher, speaking the truth in love. You heard that this morning. For a man, you should be thankful for a man who stands in the pulpit and says, Thus saith the Lord, uh, speak, speak, speaking about things that are important, things that matter, things that are of eternal consequence and, and significance, and saying them well. Thank you, brother. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Look forward to what God has for us in the days ahead in our lives, in, in our lives together as we are Faith Baptist Church, as deputation coming out there for <laughs> yeah. First Baptist Church, uh, just seeing what God has for us in the future as he leads us together from here to eternity in his presence. Amen. Thank you all so much. I'm going to, they will be in the back. I'd love for you to get to know them. They've had uh, lots and lots of experience in teaching. Uh, Miss Debbie with children, and that's a huge blessing for our church. I know uh, Jennifer and Cindy will want to know that, and uh, Mr. Don can be a blessing in our mission with our mission emphasis and committees, and uh, God is sending us people who can help us go into the future, and God is good for doing that for us as a church family. Okay, uh, we're going to sing a couple songs, and then uh, Dr. Patterson is going to come up, and y'all just hold tight, all right? Oh, do I... No, not at this point, but when I'm, listen, when the songs are over and before Dr. Patterson comes up, if you're 
If you need to go and you're not a church member, please, this will be a little short information about what's going on in the life of our church. You could leave if you want to. You can stay if you'd like because we'd love for you to hear it as well. But just keep that in mind. God bless you. Let's sing to God's glory. But if you're a church member and you leave, we will know. <laughs> so actually, let's just stand during this song. And, uh, and if, you, if you do need to be excused because you wouldn't be a part of the church business here in the next few moments, uh, now would be a good time. Let's sing together in Christ alone. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still and striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith. Gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Oh, God. 
Dr. Patterson.